Spencer Balpert, the team of Brass, and Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio, my guest on this edition of the podcast, making his monthly appearance. It's his monthly appearance on Fangraphs Audio. He is an editor at Fangraphs. It's Jeff Sullivan. Jeff Sullivan is the guest on this edition of the program. If you read the electronic pages of Fangraphs, you are undoubtedly familiar with Sullivan's work because it is ubiquitous on those electronic pages. He publishes two posts a day, exhibiting in almost all those posts a combination of Top flight analysis and grade A whimsy. It's a high capacity for whimsy, does Jeff Sullivan. What follows features that same level of playfulness and the same analytical mind pointed everywhere, really, but the sport of baseball. If you do not care for such a thing, that's entirely fine. Consider perhaps listening to Dave Cameron's weekly appearances in the program, during which managing editor Dave Cameron analyzes all baseball. Instead, what one finds here is two men alone in separate rooms, literally across the country from each other, attempting to push away the sadness. Push away the sadness. The title of this particular episode, Jeff Sullivan Reaches Level Bear, is a reference to a point in the not very distant past when Sullivan realized he was no longer amazed at the sight of a deer and had moved on to bigger, more frightening animals. I realized I achieved that level of smugness. Like, oh, okay, good. <laughs> deer, the deers are nothing to me now. I've moved on to level bear, where now bears are what's <laughs> exciting to me. That anecdote and others to follow. There's no word from the sponsor. No sponsor's message today. We proceed right to the conversation. What is it? It is Fangraphs Audio. Who does the feature? Fangraphs editor Jeff Sullivan. And when does it begin? Right now. Is that one of your jobs for Fangraphs? It is. Down? It is one of my jobs behind the scenes. I don't remember if you knew that. I don't know if anyone knows that, but I I definitely do with that. And, uh, I mean, What's you know what it's like to edit. You edit all the time. Yeah. Not your not your posts that much, if at all. Yeah. No, I don't give it a chance. <laughs> no, you don't. Yeah. Yeah. But you, your prose is quite clean. I should hope so. As long as I have fewer mistakes than anything Cameron does, and I think I'm doing all right. Oh, I don't think you have to worry there. Yeah, I don't think. No, I don't think anybody can compete. I think he he has the the pros of a, a common internet troll, but what he has <laughs> is uh, a platform. But <laughs> his, his intellectual filth. And he he does make his points with a with a sort of gravitas, an air of authority. I guess. That a lot of people do that. Do you have you ever noticed that people have opinions? <laughs> and uh, it's strange, right? Because you grow up, and I think well, you your experience might be very slightly different than mine. But I was a person who grew up, who grew up and saw witnessed the internet become a thing. But before mm-hmm. it was just like your uncles that had opinions. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, and then you go, you get older though, and you realize. Everyone has opinions, um, and they share them with such frequency. So, in uh, urgency, urgent. That's it. That's it. It's an urgency. This needs, this utterance, needs <laughs> to be part of the world, and it needs to be shared. Right? You need to people shared. to agree with it. Yeah, that's it. You need. Yeah, you want people to bend to your will. Yeah, One, but then if enough people are in agreement want to have that opinion anymore because then it's too it's too popular it's too you don't want consensus to. it's too much of the consensus opinion 
Okay. And nobody yeah. wants that. That's true. People don't want that. Well, actually, that makes me wonder because people are are like that with music, but then people are very much not like that with like television shows. They people will join a popular television show and they'll watch it, but if a band is already popular, then people are going to be put off. Or maybe but I think just... that we're talking about sort of, well, I I see what you're saying with regard to music, but I would also suggest that that's a, maybe a more specific demographic where yeah, knowledge of a band before it reaches you know mass appeal is like a certain cultural currency, right? Which is weird because is there any other situation where that is the case? Is there any other uh we're having some I mean, sort like, of cultural knowledge? Yeah, I guess maybe traveling where you you want to come off. I guess it's just a matter of sounding cooler. If you if you travel somewhere that's unpopular off the beaten path and then you don't want it to to blow up and get well trod trodden yeah. trod trodden sure trod, whichever I don't know no good linguist no I think I think you're right though to find it unspoilt there's something about you you've come upon it in its condition it's you are not being necessarily appealed to as a tourist in that particular case you're having an authentic experience I think that's what we're getting at right. Mm-hmm. Is there's a certain demographic? I don't think it necessarily applies to everyone. There's certain there's a certain group of people though who who value authentic experiences, mm-hmm. and nat- I think it's natural that once the, that experience, whether it is as you're suggesting some sort of musical group, or if it's a tourist, or not necessarily, but a travel destination, the more people know about it. The less likely, the less, uh, the more difficult it is to have an authentic experience with it. I think that's fair. <laughs> I think it's kind of funny to talk about also having an authentic experience when you're traveling generally abroad because uh, the experience that you have is almost by definition inauthentic just by virtue of you being there to experience it as a traveler. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and it, it, it probably, I mean, if you, you could do maybe a type of trip where, no, you're right. That's true, because it's not like you, because like if you want an authentic experience of a place, like you have to be there long enough where you have to get a parking permit, you mm-hmm. know, and like you got to find the right schools for your kids, <laughs> and like those are those are experiences which which allow you to really feel what it's like to to live there. You know? Yeah, maybe like first name basis with a grocery clerk. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Right. Yeah, very mundane things. You like you've had. You had internet. You, you had to wait to get internet installed there. You had to wait in your apartment. They said ten to twelve, and you were there. You were there till five p.m. I think I haven't done that for a while, but I think they give you a window. At least around here, they'll give you a window of this. Like we're going to come between eight a.m. Mm-hmm. and and six p.m. next Thursday. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. And it, yes, of course. And uh, if you leave your house for a second, that's exactly when they show up. <laughs> yeah, actually, they do hang out in their vans around the corner, and they wait for you to leave. Have you ever? <laughs> I do remember seeing, by means of social media platform Twitter, at some point last year, mm. a photo of a maybe it was a Time Warner employee just um, straight, just straight up napping in his in his <laughs> truck. Which I honestly, if I were the person who was supposed to receive in, what an internet connection that day, might have, have a modem installed, I would be unhappy. But people doing their jobs badly always, always makes me, if I'm not directly implicated, always brings me pleasure. <laughs> I love it every time. I think, because I say, I see it as like a, 
as like a really quiet revolution that's occurring. Uh huh. And I say, as soon as it hits critical mass, I will, because I'm a, I mean, I'm a coward. But as yeah. soon as, as soon as enough people have sort of like just quietly joined that revolution, then I will too. <laughs> you didn't start. You haven't start. You haven't been doing that for years. I have some reason. No, it's interesting. Um, I really wish. I wish, and I certainly take every opportunity to. Uh, portray this to to peep to other people that I am that I am uh, full of insouciance uh-huh. and that and that uh, I don't care but I really do care that's the problem I'm yeah. I'm, I'm a nervous little guy yeah so I do care but I wish oh God I I wish it were possible to turn that off because oh, yeah. the the yeah. impediment you can you can try to not try as much but it's just it's it's not possible unless you can actually just work through that guilt and make that go away and just yeah, that's the, allow that's you to accept who put the guilt there what is the guilt what is god. the guilt from no well god did you but did you grow up did you grow up in a religious house we all grew up in the religious kingdom of planet earth <laughs> what do you feel like it is do you feel, is your worry rationally or irrationally that you're going to end up in a ditch because that's mine. Well, maybe the key is that you have to have some sort of kid. Well, not some sort of kid. Hopefully your own kid. But maybe <laughs> something something that gives you something else to care about that gives you some sense of purpose aside from your employment. And mm-hmm. now I'm not saying that employment should ever uh, be one's source of validation, but I think that's really easy to get wrapped up in. And I'm a individual person. I mean, I... You are an individual person. You are not two people. (laughs) Now wait a second. If you were, if you were, if you were conjoined twin, (laughs) would Uh you be able to say I am an individual person? (laughs) Or is it merely the possession of of a brain? I guess having the ability to say I am a person, you almost are by definition an individual person because it's the brain, right? Uh, So would you say I am a person's? I am people. We (laughs) are people. You would be problematizing grammar at that point. Uh, if you I would am take an SAT, you would never get off the first page where you fill out your name and address. You'd be like, <laughs> it would take a long time. <laughs> yeah. So I have a question for you. Uh, do, do you. When's the last time that you had an opinion? Um, well, I probably share them freely with my wife. You know, like in the confines of my own home. Okay. Let me let me back up a little bit, or at least all to that. When's the last time that you had what you would consider an urgent or passionate opinion about just like you mean? Is it like just, like about what kind of like let's see, like what kind of socks I need? Is that yeah, like count? anything? Just anything? Anything that? Uh, it doesn't felt. feel recent. It doesn't feel recent. Uh, I think I think probably probably in the fall. I I, <laughs> I had the opinion that my wife's that my wife's job was like she wasn't good at it <laughs> in the sense that she was she actually has like way more than what I have she has that sort of compulsion where if it's not if it hasn't been done completely then it's not done like she would just work all the time and i think it's a sort of job where it needs to be a person who's very good at delineating work and leisure you know like um what is it they call it the something work dichotomy or Work-life balance. Work-life balance. Yeah, she she will always hit work first, and um, I said I and I had the opinion that she was bad at doing that, and she just needs to put herself in a situation where it, the decision's kind of made for her, right? So mm-hmm. that was probably the last time I had a real opinion, I'd say. 
Okay, and it wasn't even about yourself or anything that you are particularly interested in, aside from the fact that you were interested in your spouse. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, but my spouse's well-being informs my well-being a lot. Yes. So when um, – and this is not like a Henny Youngman, um, Ma, my, you know, let me tell you about my wife. Take her. Take my wife. You know the Henny Youngman joke where he says, kidnap my wife? <laughs> uh, it's not It's not that. It's just you live with a person all the time. And if one of them is an open nerve, then, then it's going to be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> not naming names. Yeah. So okay. So you have an open nerve living with a bundle of uh, uh, nerves beneath a thin veneer of not being nervy. <laughs> yeah, but it things. Are and you have a dog. Better. Things are getting better. And yeah, the dog is the dog is almost like a is a total net positive though. I'd say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, she gets. She like. She's really <laughs> to drive with, but that's about it. Would you consider the dog the chieftain of your family? <laughs> uh, she's like an organizing principle. I wouldn't say that she's the chieftain. Okay. Because you have to, you have, you're told, you know, if you go to like even one dog class, you're like, you have to, at some level, like assert yourself, right? But no, she's the most adorable thing in the house. That's absolutely true. And she gets a lot of, she's she's been a huge addition. I don't know. I think you're kind of cute. Yeah, but... They don't compare this dog. Wait, where <laughs> we, when was the last time you had an opinion? You know, I thought, I remember several weeks ago, I remember having a bite of a dessert, mm-hmm. and I remember having a strong opinion about it, a, a positive one, but I don't remember anything about the opinion or the, or the dessert. So yeah, but, I know that there was But is it something one. that you would, like if someone else, like say you had tiramisu, right? I don't no. know if you had tiramisu. It was not tiramisu. Okay, but say you had tiramisu. Okay, but, so we're lying. There's a hypothetical. <laughs> Hypotheticals are lies, yes. But they're, they're lies for the purpose of good. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Everyone's on board, Jeff. Uh-huh. No, okay. Don't worry okay. about it. Um, if, if, if you were to say like, oh, I like this tiramisu. And then someone else at your table was like, I don't like that tiramisu. Would you, what, like, would you have engaged in a debate? <laughs> would you have tried to prove that tiramisu was objectively good? No, no, I I know better than that. I've I've learned that people are entitled to have their different tastes in, in food and and music and and sports teams and players. But I think uh, I don't correct. I'm beyond. I don't know what, at what age one feels compelled to correct or at least to try to correct opinions, which is a silly thing to say out loud. But I think <laughs> maybe forty percent of the time I'll try to correct facts and then. I'll let those slide, but maybe I'm most opinionated about facts. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's fair. And I think, well, if the facts are also, if the facts, if the facts are going to, if you're going to drive off of a cliff because the facts are wrong, like if you're, if someone else is driving, they're like, oh, I think I take a left here. And then you're like, no, if you take a left, we're going to, we're going to die. That's like a really important fact to clear up pretty yeah. quickly, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. My opinion is that we should not go left. <laughs> <laughs> the um, <clears throat> I actually came. You you may or may not know that I have a particular affection for a dead, a very dead uh, Romanian author named Emil Chorin. Uh-huh. Emil Chorin is an author, and uh-huh. he has a number of books full of aphorisms, and they're all pretty great because his pessimism is at such a high volume that it 
it just everything reads like a, like a joke essentially, right? Because it's mm-hmm. he's so he's he's his his level of commitment to his pessimism is very high. Uh, but a recent uh, well, I read it in French. I don't want to brag, but I'll read you the English translation, uh, Jeff. He says he says after thirty, and you're you're there, right? After thirty, you uh-huh. there? Uh-huh. He says after thirty, one should be no more interested in events than an astro- than an astronomer is in gossip. After 31, should be no more interested in events. And I just like the word. It's just events. Isn't it very vague? All events. Essentially <laughs> verbs. <laughs> and After life is but a sequence of events. I guess it is, yeah. He says one should be no more interested in events than an astronomer and gossip. Yeah. And perhaps he means, wor- I don't know, world events? Current it's events? A, it is unclear. Uh, when, where is your lower threshold uh, above which you would consider something an event? Is if you make yourself breakfast in the morning, is that an event? I'm interested in that event. <laughs> okay, you're interested in that event. That's if a good you, event. So yeah. you consider that an event? Okay. Uh, yeah, that... I don't know if it's an event. No, 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 I don't think it's an event. Okay, what if you go to breakfast? Is that an event? No, I don't. I think that these are. I'm going to say I'm going to, this is this is a terrible. But if you if you've ever read academic writing, you know this is the sort of distinction that's made. I'm going to say those are activities. <laughs> There's no difference. Okay. Okay. Then, what if you no, go I out to dinner event, with uh, with ten family members? Is that an event? No, I don't. I think an event is a public facing is a is a is a an occurrence. It is a, it is a thing that happens that has some sort of public implication. Uh huh. Like for example, if you watch. This might be a. I th- this is not the right answer, but I think I'm getting to the to, to the right thing, or to 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 a more care, a more careful definition of it, which is like if you watch your local news, I feel like your local news is full of events, or the mm-hmm. or the or the national news. Those are full of those are events. Mm-hmm. Those are sort of there are occurrences that people deem worthy to to share. Right. Okay. Is that fair? No. So- I think that's fair. And so, but here's the thing. How long is, is, what, Emil Choron? Chor? Choron. C-I-O-R-A-N. C-I-O. I know the spelling. I've seen it a million times. I didn't know how to R-A-N. C-I-O. Choron. Yeah. Choron. All right. So, uh, how long has he been dead? Uh, I think maybe since the 90s. Let's say that. So 20, 90? say 20 years. Okay. So maybe his advice would have applied when he was alive, but he never got to see American Ninja Warrior. I think that maybe that would have changed his perspective on being interested in events. Which is what? What happens in American Ninja Warrior? The bodies contort in different directions in order to achieve an artificial goal. Oh, okay. You almost described sex. (laughs) 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 Except for the artificial goal. (laughs) It's it's an artificial goal for perhaps one, for 50% of the... What uh can you explain I should no you know it's a it's a legitimate goal for all parties involved it's uh it's an unachievable goal for half the parties involved <laughs> I won't tell which one <laughs> It's not the man <laughs> <laughs> What were you, you were going to ask a question that I don't understand. Gonna... I don't I've never seen maybe I've seen clips of American Ninja Warrior somehow but what if you were to provide I mean just a brief TV guide synopsis uh-huh. what occurs there uh, athletic people. Is it different than what was the other one? American Gladiators. How is it different than that? 
Uh, you you don't fight anyone. Okay. You well, I let let me take that back. You fight yourself. Okay, sure. Mentally and physically. Mm-hmm. And you, I don't know, try to overcome a bunch of obstacles. It's weird. I so there are obstacles essentially. Yeah, yeah, it's an obstacle course essentially. Uh, and there's money at stake, as uh, as there better be for any obstacle course. Sure. And uh, I I don't actually, I don't actually watch it. But I was just reading. I came across an article about it the other day, and so it was fresh in my mind, and so I decided to apply it to Emil Chorin. Yeah, I don't know if he would regard that as an event. I, uh-huh. I think ultimately it's uh, this is a sort of thing that may not lend itself to further discussion. <laughs> well, you know what I learned? Uh, separating from American Ninja Warrior, but focusing on the word ninja, uh, yeah, for okay, whatever sure. reason, like <laughs> a week or two ago, <laughs> I found myself reading A brief the, history of excellence in segues, Jeff Sullivan. <laughs> Here we have today, May whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was reading the Wikipedia uh, entry for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I forgot why. I think I was preparing some sort of joke. But uh, I did not realize that when it aired, there was a cartoon that aired. I think it was in Ireland. Let's call it Ireland. Sure. The facts don't matter. The important thing is that it was somewhere in the world. Yeah. Uh, that they couldn't use the word ninja. It was deemed inappropriate. It encouraged violence. Uh, it wasn't appropriate oh, okay. for children. Oh, okay. All right. And so I believe they replaced it with the word hero. And so it was the Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles mm-hmm. who were uh, constantly, I think, at arms with, with one another. Maybe not with, with one another. They were fighting somebody else. I don't remember the show very well, but I was just interested in the fact that you couldn't use the word ninja, which was a uh, critical, I would say, critical component of of the yeah, show, I given that they all the had ninja were, weapons. Yeah, the fact that they were... Yeah, right. I guess what... Uh, so... So this is sort of an FCC for whatever country, an FCC equivalent for whatever country it was broadcasting? Uh-huh. Yeah, and so for them, the the word ninja in the title was inappropriate, but the fact that they were just ninjas, and they were nin- I mean, they're turtles as well. They're turtles who are also ninjas. Uh-huh. I mean, imagine their, C- their CVs. What have you uh, done? Well, I've, I've done everything that a, that a, that a turtle usually does. But I've also done all the things that you typically associate with ninjas. So, could you fit all that on one page? I don't think so. The lyrics to the theme song, I was not listening to you. The lyrics were also changed, such as changing Splinter taught them to be ninja teens to Splinter taught them to be fighting teens. The policies also had other effects, such as editing out use of Michelangelo's nunchaku, nunchaku, which were at the time banned from appearing in 18-rated movies and generally toning down the usage of all the turtles' weapons. Oh, they did? So they did? So did they have different illustration then um, for for this? Is it Was it in Ireland? Can you confirm or deny now? Uh, it was Ireland. It was indeed Ireland. Okay. So it was Ireland. And But you're saying that the... I mean, it sounds like the animation was actually different. Yeah, they had to edit a bunch of things, and then to head this problem off, the showrunners elected to remove Michelangelo's nunchaku entirely during season three, replacing them with a grappling hook that served as his signature weapon for the rest of the show's run. So somebody's signature weapon was a grappling hook, which is okay. Not a and this all this all happened because of Ireland, huh? Only exclusively, I think, in Ireland is where this is taking place. There's a whole new, a whole different team, a ninja. Mutant, Teenage Mutant, TMNT team show production in Ireland. They didn't just have the the regular animation from the show in the States. 
that they played in Ireland. So what I think what I think happened is that in season three, the main showrunners decided, well, let's just avoid this problem entirely, give them the give all, get them all, all the, the, the flack yeah. we're getting from the Irish, <laughs> who are I, they're famous everywhere for being a peaceful people. Uh-huh. They're yeah. not known, for example, <laughs> as as famous prize fighters of the late nineteenth and early twentieth century, bare knuckled brawlers. <laughs> I don't know what they thought that they were protecting their children from, but I guess there was probably just fear of the Japanese. Well. Although they were it. turtles. With Italian names. <laughs> They're hard to pin down. They're hard to pin down. Are they Italian? Are they Italian turtles? Well, they liked pizza, right? Love they ate pizza. a lot of pizza? Yeah, you don't need to be Italian to love pizza, though. You just have to have sense. And they, and they hung out with a, with a rat. So so what? Because Italians are rats. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't think that's I don't think that that's a, a racist thing against Italians. <laughs> maybe maybe <laughs> they're French because they're all turtles. What happens to do they eat do they eat turtles in France? Oh no, it's in, in a hockey fight if you uh, if you duck uh, yeah and duck your head out of the way so yeah. you don't want to fight then it's called turtling yeah because you like like you like tuck your head into your pads. Okay. Like a coward, like a real coward. Yeah, like someone who doesn't want to be, who doesn't want <laughs> like, brain damage. Like someone who doesn't want to get a punch in the head. Yeah, you coward. Yeah. <laughs> All right, sounds fair. Hey, I want to bring up something with you. Yeah. Um. Or is it baseball? No. No, it's never baseball. No, it's uh. <clears throat> so I had an experience today. I'm I'm interested in your thoughts on this this phenomenon. Yeah. I'm here. I'm sitting here. I was doing a little work today. And uh, I have my – it's a beautiful day in New Hampshire. The weather's beautiful. The temperature's mm-hmm. perfect. And – That sounds like an opinion. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I think it's an opinion, but it's also bound to some degree to, like, human biology, right? Like, humans uh-huh. – like, there's no human. It's, like, negative 50 out. It's like, today's a great day. The weather's <laughs> great. Because you – because it, cause it would – it would just it would ruin your skin. By ruin, I mean it would kill. It would kill your skin. So no humans like that, right? There's, I mean, there's a zone in which humans feel comfortable, and uh-huh. we're currently in the midst of it. I would say over 50% of the population would say it's a it's a great day, in terms of the weather, the temperature. Uh-huh. Okay. And so I opened this window right next to where I typically work, and there were some windows open across the room. So it created a nice, like a beautiful. What do you call that? Would you, cross, do you call it a cross breeze? Uh-huh. That's what I was going to call it too. Okay. So that's well, – this is a nice draft, a pleasant draft, cross breeze. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I could have sat – I could I could sit – it's still it's still happening right now. It's still – it's almost 9 o'clock at night. It feels so good. It is so pleasant. And there's something – and I'm enjoying it, but there's something desperate inside of me. There's a m- melancholy part of me. In my body, that wishes it would last forever, and is upset that it's not going to last forever. Does that make sense? Uh huh. And I had a similar experience because um, you know I've, I've recently uh, closed on some property uh-huh. in Maine, and uh, we have um, my wife and I were talking about creating a small uh, garden of perennials, right? Perennial flowers. But the thing that so so I, there's some flowers that I regard as beautiful, and chief among them is the lilac. It's a bush typically, right? The lilac bush, 
it's beautiful to look at and it's fragrant and the fragrance is is um is excellent right i love it mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it only lasts lilacs only stay in bloom for like two or three weeks and there's something to me i like put in all this effort to plant a, a flower that's only going to remain in bloom for two or three weeks it just does not seem worth it to me i would like to find i would like to find a flower that's perpetually in bloom or at least you know during you know like from mid-spring to mid-fall or something like that but I don't think that I don't know if that exists. I'm talking about a, these. They're similar because what, what we're looking at is ephemeral joys. Ephemeral joys, Jeff Sullivan, that I wish would uh-huh. last longer, but they won't. Yeah, that sounds like existence. It sounds like <laughs> yeah, you know. find something that you like and then it's over and then you realize, well, that's just one more thing that I enjoyed that I tick off on my list. But do you have this experience <laughs> where where as soon as you begin enjoying a thing you you immediately you're compelled by something inside of you just to think about when it's going to end no uh, i think that i think there's there's a very short list of things that i actively enjoy mm-hmm. uh certainly in this room there are very few this is the work room uh, <laughs> and the things that i enjoy generally involve going far away from the city being on some sort of hike or some sort of trip and during those things I kind of just get lost in the experience and I do not think about when they're going to end I kind of lose sight of time but around here I guess maybe like episodes of Silicon Valley I I get sad when those approach the end oh yeah okay I have I've uh, only seen the first couple but is that a show that you you're enjoying that show <laughs> it is a show that I enjoy. It is an event in which I'm interested, but perhaps <laughs> I'm still I'm still exactly 30. So uh, until my what ordinal age is 31, I think I might not. Yeah, Maybe Shoren right. wasn't talking to me, but no, I don't I don't think about when things are going to end. Give me give me a, a recent example. Well, I guess you did give me a reason, but. Yeah, yeah. I'm, sitting, I'm no. sitting in this window. I told you, I'm sitting in this window. It's very pleasant, and I know that it's going to have to end because it's going to get colder. It's going to. It's almost all the way dark now, and it's uh-huh. going to end. And uh, that pleasure. That's what I really want to do. I mean, is this I, why? Is this why you drink a lot at a time? Um. <laughs> what to 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 draw out pleasures? Yeah. Yeah, you're like, well, I don't want this to end, so I'm not going to let it because I'm just going to sustain this level of drunkenness. I do think that there's something to maintaining a certain level of inebriation. You don't want to go too hard because you make bad decisions and you wake up with a hangover, right? Mm -hmm. But preserving a low level of it can be good as long as your employers don't know. (laughs) Although the way that our jobs are constructed, they they don't really have to know. And I don't even think that, I don't know. I've certainly written in posts before that I had the idea while, you know, at the bottom of my cup, and uh, no one was uh, no one was upset about it. Yeah. Do you think when you're drinking? Yeah. When you're when you're drinking, do you think about baseball? Do I think about yeah? Well, uh, yeah, because I'm working. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I do. When's the last time that you watched a, a major league game that didn't have the Brewers in it? Oh, that was interesting. How did you do that? Wait, how did you do that? How did you know? <laughs> do you have to somehow have access to my MLB TV account? Yeah, don't worry about it. Answer Wait, how question. did you? 
How did you know? I have been watching a lot of Brewers games. Yeah, I, I, I'm familiar. I've picked up the clues. Wait, how's that? But like every well, tweet that you've written about Major League Baseball has been about the Brewers. This has not been hard to put together. No, I guess not. Junior, well, I just I naturally assume that no one's paying attention, <laughs> which I think is I, I, I think is the best assumption under which I follow work. very few people on the internet, and okay. you are among them, and so I'm keenly aware of your habits. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> just don't. Please don't. Um, anyway, um, yeah, uh, I probably have seen. I probably have some. I'll tell you a game I'll be watching tomorrow. What's that? Which will be... Oh, right, of course. Urias. Urias, yeah, the Urias debut. Yeah, I'll be watching that, absolutely. That's very exciting. His uh-huh. The numbers he's recording as a 19-year-old at AAA are really... I mean, there's there's nothing not to... There's nothing... Wait, allow, me, allow me not to put the <laughs> preposition at the end of the sentence. There's nothing about which... There's nothing not about which to be excited. <laughs> that felt good. The uh, but no, there he. It's a real joy. There's, I mean, you know, that's great. And yeah, I watched parts of some games today. For example, I was putting together the Fringe Five, which is a, mm-hmm. a, a an absurd weekly exercise. And um, I was watching some another Dodgers prospect, less celebrated, but I think uh, with a, a, a bright future ahead of him, which is Jarrell Cotton. Oh, is who it Jarrell? I didn't know if it was Jarrell. Mm, I could be wrong too. Uh, Jarrell sounds a lot better. Let's say Jarrell. Anyway, uh, yeah, he's got a. I think he he just made his first start in roughly a month mm-hmm. for the AAA, the Dodgers AAA affiliate, Oklahoma City, I believe, and um, uh, ten strikeouts against one walk versus only seventeen batters. So that's good. That's great. That is good. Yeah, I mean that's. Over half of them. So that's, that's really what you want to do. Urias is the first teenage, 19-year-old pitcher in the majors since Felix debuted, right? I think maybe Madison Bumgarner was also oh, did, in there. Did Bumgarner count? Let me do a quick well, you little can, scour. You can uh, Bumgarner yeah. just missed by a month and a week. What, what was he? What are you saying? He was he was 20. Uh, he was 20 years old when he debuted and yeah, he a month and a week after turning 20. Well, it looks like I did a bad job editing Eric Longenhagen's post then, <laughs> because because it very clearly states in that post that he will be the first teenager to debut in the majors uh, since uh, 2009 when Madison Bumgarner did it. Well, so I think Bumgarner counts when you use your official uh, baseball age, I you know, when they have the, the July yeah. 1st cutoff. He was in his the... age 19 year, is that right? Yeah. His age 19 season. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but he was actually uh, 20. So Urias will be the first actual teenager based on these arbitrary cutoffs since Felix Hernandez debuted in 2005 and it's interesting to reflect and also to compare and contrast I guess the debuts because they're I think similarly hyped prospects who are like arguably the top pitching prospect in the game mm-hmm. upon their debut both 19 years old a uh, long time coming both handled very carefully and there's I don't follow enough on the internet to know what the level of hype is for Urias coming up, but I I suspect there is a lot of hype. These players are always extremely hyped. There's going to be a lot of people watching this game on Friday. MLB TV, of course, I'm sure we'll feature it in some way. Going to be a lot of talk. But, <laughs> a lot of chatter out there, buddy. A lot, a lot of chatter. <laughs> but I, what, what I remember, it was very exciting when Felix Hernandez came up, but because it was 2005, so that's, what, 11, 11 years ago in MLB TV technology, he debuted on a... I don't know, early August, August 4th, it was, I think it was in Detroit, and it was on MLB TV, but I remember watching, it was a weekday, I was watching from work on my boss's computer, which is weird, and he uh, he didn't care, 
but you, there wasn't like an the game itself wasn't televised. There wasn't uh, the game wasn't on Detroit TV or Seattle TV, at least not that MLB TV knew. So the only video feed they had, and they had this live, but it was like a closed uh, closed circuit. <laughs> Almost like security camera, like, like jail television. <laughs> it was, it was like that. It wasn't quite like from the corner of the room, looking down on people walking by. But it was, it was genuinely from, as I recall, like the second level overhang on the first base side. So it was a camera that was like 200 feet behind first base, aimed at the mound and sort of the plate, which made it a very unusual. It was, I maybe it was more like actually being at the stadium than any other. TV broadcast, but yeah. it was definitely the oddest way I've ever watched a game because you could you could get absolutely no sense of what was happening on the field or what was being and thrown. You still, or where the you still hung uh, tight with it. Well, yeah, because I mean, when you have one of these players come up, and certainly if you're bad like the Mariners were, then you're just watching it and you're thinking, just get to the game and don't break anything, don't get anything yeah. hit at you that will render you broken. Just survive the game. And if you survive the game, everything is excess, except that also you want them to strike out 12 batters out of 14. If you, uh, based on, based on the sort of excitement that surrounded Felix Hernandez when he was a prospect in the Mariners minor league system, how would you regard, in terms of like percentile outcomes, how would you regard his career to date? Like if it ended today? Uh, if it, well, let's say just through to this point, because if it ended today, that would be a little tragic. But yeah, through sure. to this point, I, I think that this has been the it's been the perfect outcome. I mean, I guess you could say that Clayton Kershaw is like one half step higher, because mm-hmm. he's been kind of similar. But there's you couldn't ask for anything more out of out of Felix Hernandez. He's, that's as good as a prospect's development gets. Right. Uh, and wait, I uh, oh I could be very wrong. I'm sorry, but I think that I don't think Kershaw was was. Um, as celebrated a prospect as as Felix Hernandez was he? Well, let's see. Kershaw debuted when he was twenty. He topped out at a uh, number seven Baseball America ranking. Okay. So he topped out at number seven. Felix Hernandez topped out at number two. So effectively the same, yeah. just top ten pitching prospects. Okay. Arguably the best in the game. Uh, Kershaw was drafted. He was a first round draft pick. Felix was an international signing. So there was a little bit of a different path. But, but do you think that, for example, Steven Strasburg was a more highly anticipated prospect than Clayton Kershaw? Yeah, but I think there was something happened there uh, between when Kershaw debuted and when Strasburg debuted. It, the thing is just the Internet took off a little more. There was a little more social media. So there was a lot of attention on Strasburg from the very beginning. There was all the hype over teams wanting to get in a position mm-hmm. to draft him. And so there was a lot of conversation about Strasburg. And I think he might have actually kicked off sort of the era of I would say maybe overhyping baseball's youth. And uh, I don't know if this gets into prospect hugging or not, but I think there was definitely a time when... Prospect hugging? Yeah, like over just cherishing prospects more than anything oh, I else. See. Then, I see. You know, like how we've all kind of gotten used to Mike Trout, even though he's, what, like 24 freaking years old? Yeah. It's right. just like, oh, whatever. <laughs> he's just the best player in the world again. <laughs> no big deal. Nobody cares. I haven't written about Mike Trout this year, I don't think. It's like I'm completely a part of this. But you have... These young players, because you hear about them so much sooner, maybe because there's so much more coverage and people try to mine the minor leagues because people want to find the next superstar. And I think this has always been a thing, but it's gotten more popular. And I, I suspect that, what's, what's the term? Inflection point? Does that work? I think that. I'll accept the inflection it. I don't point, know. 
Yeah, I think that would have come somewhere between when Kershaw debuted in in 2008, and then when did Strasburg debut? Was that 2010? Was it 2010 Strasburg debuted? So I guess let's call it 2009, that there was uh, (laughs) some sort of turning point. Uh, I think that... uh, um, Well, so I think actually... I don't think it's actually so bad for baseball... I don't think it's so bad for baseball. Cause oh, a, I definitely a, don't think it's a bad thing. But no, but my point is like, <clears throat> I would say that before the, the sort of phenomena you're describing, and I don't necessarily know to what degree it is or is not a product of, uh, of internet access or some other sort of social phenomenon. However, relative to other major American sports, basketball, football, for example, there is relatively little attention paid to the non-pro league, right? Like mm-hmm. college basketball is a is an important spectator sport. It's a, a major spectator sport. I would say, I mean, obviously there are like there are a number of things that are of dubious ethical mm-hmm. dubious ethical. What? Implications regarding it? Mm-hmm. Is that what I mean? I don't, this is just, those are English words. I don't know if I put them <laughs> in the right order. Um, and it, same thing with college football too, but you know, those are both, they, those are both, they both, they're both spectacles, right? Yep. But anything below Major League Baseball typically isn't. Uh, Minor League Baseball, maybe, pro- maybe in part because of just the, you know, the lack of broadcast technology, but it's not very popular at all. And also, um, and and there's no no minor league baseball game ever really feels like an event, you know. Maybe in, there are a couple of you know distinct cases, but as a rule, not. And then of course, uh, college baseball has some very ardent followers, but it doesn't. It certainly does not have the social cachet of of uh, college football or basketball. Right. I think that uh, this is baseball's means of compensating. For a lack of attention on the draft. Mm-hmm. Hey, you already wrote a post for tomorrow. Yeah, I did. Regarding Mike Mustakas, it appears. Yeah, it was, this has been a long couple days of work. Well, you did not. You did not work on Monday. Yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't. What work was on your Monday excuse, then. Jeff? Well, I was in Yosemite for the first time. Oh, that's great. You didn't. Why didn't you say that to begin with? At the start of the conversation, I don't. I just, did not, you like Yosemite? Was it dude. beautiful? I mean, it's it's cliche to talk about because it's I, something we experienced for the first time last November. We went to Utah for a long weekend, and we went to Zion National Park. Okay. I love national parks. Zion, very beautiful. But we I'd never been to a national park that was so much like going to a sporting event or like a, a mall in that there were so many people and crammed for parking. There was a shuttle system, and it, it felt like, at least getting in there, that you were not of that sort of peaceful isolation that you go to one of those places for. Now, granted, when you get into the park, they do a good job of spacing people out, and you, you can feel a little bit isolated if you try. But I've never been in that situation before, and Yosemite is like that, maybe to an even another degree. It gets, I think, 3 million visitors a year, mm-hmm. and the most popular part of it is just tiny little valley that's right in the middle. It's a very large park, but probably like 98% of the visitors all stay in this one small little easily accessible area. What's that what's that called? Is that the Yosemite uh, Valley or Yeah, yeah. So that's where you have Half Dome, El Capitan, uh Yosemite Falls, which is the highest waterfall in the country. Okay. And uh, 
and I don't know all the pictures of Yosemite that you know. It's generally from that that valley area, so it's it's really crowded and it's really popular and it's super popular and you know like Instagram, social media, everyone's posting pictures of Yosemite, and so it's not original to say yeah it's it's beautiful, but I can confirm the fact that uh, it really is in a way that I knew exactly what it was going to look like because I've seen pictures of it from every angle and and still it's just it's a mind blowing place and I cannot wait to go back. I saw my first ever wild bear. Whoa! Wait, uh, uh, was it was it a grizzly? Uh, no, they didn't have grizzlies. They have black bears, which it turns out are cowards. <laughs> you know, actually, I saw my first black bear <laughs> in Northampton, Mass. It was, it was <laughs> eating eating my neighbor's garbage. <laughs> he would come around. He came around more than once. For me, it was a she. I don't know. I didn't. Uh, I I don't want to be cisnormative. <laughs> about it whatever gender this particular bear this bear could identify with whatever gender it wants i was not going to it was not going to bother it is my point but um yeah just a, yeah, it was a big old bear across the street yeah. but you so this was your first bear yeah first ever wild bear i i remember when i used to get like excited about deer when you're out in the wild and then you kind of get used to them louis ck has a whole bit about this but yes uh, oh, i'm glad you i'm glad you mentioned it cuz he, he yeah. hates deer he actually yeah. He uses the term, um, he suggests that he would like to <laughs> give the, the deer a sexually transmitted disease. <laughs> and he uses the term, at some point, I'm not going to use it, he uses the term bleedy dicks. <laughs> he says bleedy, which is a, which is an amazing word. It's a great word. Bleedy. Because it's not bloody, and it's not bleeding, it's bleedy. And it's fantastic. It's fantastic. Take note, Oxford English Dictionary. <laughs> uh, I, I, when I went on my first hike in the Northwest, I remember seeing a pack of wild deer. Oh, hey, well, now there's a crow on my windowsill, so we're going to experience this. Did you know that ravens cluck? I did not know that ravens cluck. I didn't. Wait, is it a raven or is it a crow? Well, this is a crow, but it reminded me of ravens, which are similar but larger. They have those in Yosemite. Anyway, so I remember the first hike I ever did in Oregon. I saw well, it's better than – wait, but sorry. Better than the sound a crow makes, which is one of the least attractive calls there is. Include Also, the blue jay. Actually, your blue jays there in the West Coast are different than the East Coast blue jay. Yeah, I think ours are Stellar's jays. That's what they're called. Okay, all right. But they're annoying is what they are. <laughs> useless bird. They just stare at you and wait for you to fall down and make an ass of yourself, and they just want to <laughs> laugh and on your neck. So I saw a pack of wild deer years ago, and I remember being super excited because I'd never seen wild deer before. And I have since gotten to see so many deer and been actually, I feel like, even pursued by enough deer that now it's like seeing a deer is more common than seeing a person. And I live with a person. That's how many deer I've seen. <laughs> so I remember when we were doing a hike in Yosemite, we walked by, we were coming down to a pretty popular hike, and we walked by some stranger. And he looked at me, and he had this big grin on his face and said, there's a deer right around the corner. And I just wanted to, like, who cares, man? Just yeah. go up the trail. Nobody cares. Well, and so I, I realized same. I achieved that level of smugness. Of like, oh, okay, good. Deer, the deers are nothing to me now. I've moved on to level bear, where now bears are what's <laughs> exciting to me. But I don't know what comes after level bear. Jeff Sullivan reaches level bear. Name of this program. <laughs> <laughs> pack of wolves. I was a uh, you. You you're familiar with Matthew Caruth. We were camping. Yeah, years I know that ago. guy. Yeah, we were camping years ago in Central Oregon. It was November, like celebrating the end of the baseball season. We went down there. We were not prepared for the fact that it was nine degrees. I think I might have told you the story before, but I remember that when we uh, when we went. Where was to it? Bed, nine the, degrees. Uh, Lapine, just so uh, just south of Bend. 
Oh, so it was on the east of the mountains there. Yeah, east of the mountains, high desert. It was a stupid trip that we took. But we uh, we went to bed the first night having drank a lot, thinking, oh, this will make us feel warmer. And it did feel warmer. <laughs> but yeah, we, we went to the bed. To did the your tent. skin die? <laughs> so I well the next day I actually didn't feel my right foot for, until about three o'clock, mm-hmm. so it was a, it was a rough day. But I remember waking up in the middle of the night when it was nine degrees, and I had to get outside of the tent for purposes after having drank a lot. And it was I don't know probably like three in the morning, and I I was sitting in my sleeping bag debating whether or not I should get up or oh, just yeah. deal with it because it's so cold and you can't operate a zipper when it's that cold. Mm-hmm. And as I sat there. And I decided, okay, I just need to leave the tent or else I will not fall asleep. I unzipped the tent flap, and almost immediately what I heard was my first ever pack of wild howling wolves that were in the vicinity. Yeah. And so I didn't get to see them, so I haven't achieved level wolf. I would like to achieve level wolf. I feel like level pack of wolves is one step higher than level bear. But then there's also sub-tiers of bear because you can see you can reach level black bear, but then when you realize black bears just run away from you because they're and he's just like, oh, I guess you have to reach level. What's more dangerous, grizzly or brown bear? They're both dangerous. I think right? they're the same thing, actually. I think maybe a grizzly is a subset, but they're the same thing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how about mountain lion? How about level mountain? I know that when I lived in Missoula, Montana, it was not uncommon, and I'm not saying every day it was happening, but it was not uncommon for uh, your female joggers there to be mauled by a mountain lion. <laughs> that happens sometimes. Okay. Yeah, that's a good that's, one. That's just a... A lady jogger going uh-huh. out for for health purposes, you know, going uh-huh. on a jog, and uh, well, I tell you what, one of the w- one of the worst things that could happen to your health is getting mauled by a mountain lion. <laughs> she didn't take that into consideration. Yeah. So yeah, what are you, what are you doing? Your pro pros and cons list of should I go for a jog outside? Yeah. yeah. How many people bother to write down? Con potentially get mauled by a mountain lion. Yeah, some of them should have there, and they didn't. It, you didn't have to go out. Uh, you didn't. It's not like you had to go out far. We lived right there in the. I think we lived in the Bitterroot Valley. Uh-huh. I think we lived in the Bitterroot Valley, uh, but okay, you just not far from campus. So you could get you could get mauled. <laughs> it was that simple. Okay, you've you've jogged. Uh, you've yeah. jogged several times. Yeah. How high would the probability have to be? in your mental list of getting mauled by a mountain lion for you to then be deterred from jogging? Uh, 0.1%. 0.1%. Yeah, yeah, okay. it's not, that's not, because cause I don't really, well, all right. So there's a certain level, I need to go jogging a certain with a certain frequency, otherwise I will get mauled by a human woman, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is no better, really. Um, and sometimes more intimate. Mo- it is sometimes the mauling is not physical; it is it is emotional, <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. psychological, mauling, and uh, <clears throat> so that's that's the thing that happens. But no, it, but that's only because we live here in the east. And if you live in the east, and there's really very little around that's going to kill you. Uh huh. What what's what's the probability that you would be mauled by a grown woman if if said grown woman were to have heard you describe her as an open nerve. <laughs> Luckily she wasn't in the room for that. Um uh yeah, it's you know, non-negligible. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> Again though, it's a very specific type of mauling. One, yeah. it's a little it's way more sophisticated than the mountain him or herself is capable of. Uh, yeah, wait, wait, sorry, 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 I left the preposition at the end. <laughs> this is a, of which now that, uh, yeah, it's a little more difficult to let those wounds heal. 
Ah, oh, they don't. Yeah, they, they, don't. they only they're, get worse. They're, they're they're open open wounds on the inside. Yeah, speaking of potential open wounds, I I remember also going back to bears. So this is a double segue. Okay. We were we were on a different. We were in the Olympic Peninsula a couple of years ago. So oh, Matthew Carruth is also there. So my girlfriend and Matthew and I were gonna do a hike there. And at the trailhead, there was a sign, and the sign warned hikers of possible bears in the area. We're totally fine. It's a rainforest. You used to it, but there there are two. There were two bears in the area. There were I. There were grizzly bears or brown bears. I don't know. There were brown bears and black bears. And it, it said that for black bears, the instruction is to make yourself tall, make a lot of noise, confront yeah. the bear, yeah. uh, you know, scare it off. And then for the other one, the advice was do not do that. Do not do any of the stuff that you're a black bear. Do the opposite. Play dead. Run away. Just leave. Just leave. Just leave. It's going to kill you. It's going to kill you by the time that you're done thinking about these instructions. It's going to kill you. So they gave you conflicting instructions for two different types of bear that I don't know. Maybe it's really easy to tell the difference between two types of bear. I feel like it's not. I feel like it's not that easy to tell the difference between two types of bear. So I really don't know the proper way to. I don't, I don't think there's ever a situation where I'm going to see a bear and think this is this is the one that I yell at. I uh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I don't I don't necessarily want to. I don't want to. I don't want my ability to taxonomize <laughs> to create to, to generate the correct um, genus and species of of an animal. I don't want that to be the thing that's life or death situation. <clears throat> I do know that I've heard that before, though, is that, yeah, you're supposed to make yourself big. And mountain lions are the same. Mountain lions are supposed to get big. If you have, like, a jacket on, like, you spread your jacket out so you look like a human with its jacket open. <laughs> mountain lions hate jackets. <laughs> yeah, it actually reveals your insides more easily if you open the jacket. Yeah, but that's apparently as, we, as big as you can get is the idea. That's why I always wear jackets that have artificial eyes on the inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just to make the mat lion think I'm a human with two really big spread out eyes. <laughs> and then two other smaller <laughs> two other eyes, eyes on your face. <clears throat> the uh, I had an an older friend when I lived in Missoula who went hunting with some frequency in the Mission Mountains, mm-hmm. which are not far from Missoula. They're really pretty mountains. They're like what you think of the. Like real classic mountains, they're shaped like they're like they look like pyramids, kind of very sharp. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> he would go there and he'd do I don't know what he was something antelope, I guess. I, um, and but he would uh, go up with bear bells, bear bells, which is uh, you know it lets everything know that you're coming because nothing <laughs> at the at the at the, at the end of the day, Jeff, they just don't want to be bothered, you know, kind of like libertarians. <laughs> Leave them alone. Bears are the libertarians of the uh, of the animal kingdom. Libertarians. <laughs> I, I did I not am see sorry. it. I'm very sorry for that. I didn't see it. Yeah, you I saw it. I, I didn't see it. I wish I didn't see it. Oh, I got indignant in the shower the other day. For for <laughs> was it was it at your own figure? No, it wasn't. I got indignant. Just just um. Uh, apropos nothing, I got indignant that people stay, say Christopher Columbus instead of Christ, Christophero Colombo. I said, why? That's why I don't know how it happened. I don't know why. I just got upset all of a sudden. Not even near Columbus Day. And by the way, the number of the towns I've lived in recently, Columbus Day is like an anti-holiday. It's essentially, uh, you know, like a, when I lived in Madison, Wisconsin, people would gather on the campus to remind us about 
uh, how poorly Americans, the American government has treated uh, Native Native Americans, which I don't think, I think everyone's on board with that. I don't think anyone's like, yeah, you know who really got a good deal? Native Americans. No one's ever saying that. But it's the University of Wisconsin. They use it. Columbus Day as an opportunity to that because Columbus Day really at some level is a celebration of, uh, what do you call it, imperialism? Is that right? Exceptionalism? One of the two? Both of them? But uh, but I did, yeah, I got really, real indignant. Why do people say Columbo? Why do they have to anglicize his name? And the other one is John Cabot. That's another one I felt <laughs> I got indignant about. Yeah. John Cabot, famous explorer, maybe discovered some stuff in Canada. I don't know. He's Italian. That's not his name. His name is Caboto. 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 Yeah, he discovered something. <laughs> He was an Italian under apparently under commission of the King of England. Christopher Colombo was under the commission of uh, King of Spain. Why are people just going, <laughs> just getting Italians to do their traveling for them? It's also, was he from Genoa? You think he's from Geneva? No, not Geneva. Genova? Genoa. 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 from Genoa? You think he's from Genoa? A lot of sailors from Genoa. I don't think anything about the about where he's from. Okay. I haven't thought about John Cabot a lot, but why is he called yeah. John Cabot? Why is Christopher Columbus or Christopher Columbus called Christopher Columbus? That's what yeah, you well, call other Italian people their Italian names. Right. Wait a second. Oh, now I'm getting indignant. <laughs> there's just like a certain there's a certain year after which you start calling Italian people by their Italian names. Like What's no one ever that? calls Benito Mussolini like Benjamin Mu- Muscle. Muscles. <laughs> Benjamin <laughs> Muscles. Benny Muscles. <laughs> Oh, Benny Muscles. Actually, that, that makes him sound more Italian. Yeah, it does. Yeah. No one ever calls him ben- Benjamin Muscles, though. What, what's the etiquette with like French last names in in America? In anglicizing uh, them? Yeah. Uh, the long and short of it is, my brother used to date someone whose last name was Benoit, but she went by Benoit. Oh, the boy. whole family went by Benoit, which is just a, the whole Noi Noit. That's a funny sound, sound. In the last name, yeah, you don't want that. It's just like the Noid. Yeah, the, the Noid. I was going to yes, I was going to cite the Noid <laughs> as the text. I was, I was yes, Domino's, I believe, right? Domino's Pizza. Avoiding yeah. one needs to avoid. One is compelled to avoid the Noid. Yeah, uh, the Noid also voiced by Pons Mar. Okay, wait, did you just look this up? I I typed in the Noid. Okay, who's Pons Mar? Is that actually did the Noid even say words? Ah. Well, he was voiced. Yeah, right. But was it just more? Was it more sounds? And can you tell me what other sort of work has Pons Mar done? Well, Pons Mar—that's spelled P-O-N-S. That's his first name. M-A-A-R. That's his last name. Pons Mar, American okay. actor. Uh, he performed the voice and body model for the Noid. Uh, he is. He also did the body. <laughs> he Does he have the ears? I remember the Noid he, had long ears, long rabbit-like ears, didn't he? And I mean, I'm saying he, but I actually don't know if the Noid was a male. It was sort of, sort of a sexless, <laughs> deviant creature, wasn't it? <laughs> Look in your local police blotter. Rabbit, rabbit ears. He had rabbit ears. Is that true? That's what it says on Wikipedia. Well, that's how I'm remembering it. So, so we have uh, in this double-blind study we've con- we've conducted expressly. Everything's coming up roses. Okay. <laughs> Was oh. annoyed. Oh wait, 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 wait! Oh, this is gonna get better. 
Uh, on January 30th, 1989, Kenneth Lamar Noid, a mentally ill man who thought the ads were a personal attack on him, oh, held the two employees of an Atlanta Domino's restaurant hostage for over five hours. He, uh, he forced them to make him a pizza, and he made <laughs> demands for $100,000, getaway transportation, and a copy of The Widow's Son. That's interesting. Uh, then he surrendered to the police. After the incident ended, police chief Reed Miller offered a memorable assessment to reporters. He's paranoid. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then he killed himself in 1995. Oh, wow. That was dark. Yeah. The, uh, this incident caused Domino's Pizza to discontinue advertising using the Noid as their mascot. That is, it worked. You know, rarely, uh, let's see. Well-behaved noids really, really make history. <laughs> so here we have an example of that. Wow! Uh, so it yeah. really that that. But 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 any sort of sale, I any campaign that you adopt is. Uh, yeah, I assume a mentally ill person oh, could. Here we, here we go. Here we go. There's there's a little box for the noid information. Species, or male. Wait, species what? Species unknown. Okay. Gender. Male. Yeah. Occupation, ruining pizza. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, okay. That's... (laughs) um, When you're filling out your taxes, I don't even know if there's space to write ruining pizza. Now, do do we have any information on whether or not, not the Noid filed? federal tax claim I, that's not on this page no uh but i can tell you in in 1990 capcom released a different they, there was a video game capcom mm-hmm. released a video game uh maybe the most 1990 video game title you could imagine yeah <clears throat> yo noid yo noid yo exclamation park noid for the nes <laughs> i guess yeah yo noid yeah <laughs> that was that was a bit of cross-promotional work wasn't it yeah, it was that was good hmm Oh, you said 1994? Uh, 1990, just 90. Oh, 1990. Yeah. Yes. That was, uh, there was, yes, I remember those years. I remember Varney shirts, and I remember hammer pants, and um, I remember Miss Sinclair was my teacher, Miss Stewart. I One time I saw Miss Stewart... <laughs> This is the sort of thing that can absolutely blow your mind as a, as a 10-year-old or 11-year-old. I, Miss Stewart was my teacher in fifth grade, and then uh, I was out with my grandfather eating calamari at a local seafood restaurant <laughs> called Weathervane. Uh-huh. It's a chain in New England. And I also saw my teacher there working. And I said, Miss Stewart, what are you doing here? You're my teacher. But uh, it was, I would have never understood. It just, uh, the only way I could understand was just by living more. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I just saw her there. And I just, just total, just totally <laughs> my whole world. <laughs> um have you, do you ever have an experience like that where you saw like an adult in a totally different uh, context that didn't it didn't make it make sense to you? No, I've only ever seen adults in the one context. Which <laughs> just the one. I, 
All your adults remain in one context. That's good. Yeah. Oh, one of my friends is a teacher over in Westport, Massachusetts, and, and she uh, she talks about all the times that she's run into students elsewhere, and it just always seems to blow their minds. No yeah. one knows how to like high schoolers and middle schoolers. They don't. You don't know what to do. You. I don't remember. I don't know how you look at teachers now when you're one of those entitled youths of today. Mm-hmm. But I know in my day, if I were to have seen the teacher, which I never did, then it would have been insane because the teacher is like the highest rank. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it's kind of like if like if I walked into the president today, then that would feel like if I saw my teacher when I was eight. The same sort of the same sort of gra- gravitas. <laughs> yeah, I do. I know that. Um, I just know from my my wife's experience, teacher. So because she's on a campus here, right? Um, so she sees her students pretty frequently. But I do know the times, like like recently, some of her students came over to. Um, to use the kitchen here to make some food, right? And I gathered that they were behaved and respectful in our home in a way that they rarely are in the classroom. Because for them, it was like, like they're like, oh, this is just an adult person who's living like who's living a type of life that adults live. <laughs> and I can't and I can't say <laughs> I can't act terribly like I might the rest of the time, you know. <laughs> Can't pl- complain uh-huh. about my grade or whatever, right? It's because uh, you're like then you're co- you're like dealing with a real person and you start to see the fake. That, that happens. It that happens with adults when you start to see it, like they have. Uh, well, when you're growing up as a, as a young person, I, certainly when I was growing up as a young person, there are just those times like you start to see that that, that they have other concerns and uh, they're real people. Yeah, generally, if you're a child, you you don't want to necessarily talk too much about wait i lost my train of thought no okay i'm back what, what, when, you, when you're a child you think that and even when maybe you're uh you're in your teenage years young adult you are constantly afraid of how you're being perceived of how you're being ju- not realizing that nobody else in the world gives a f- <laughs> About you or who you are or how you look or what you're doing because everyone is terminally self-involved. Oh yeah. And you kind of you kind of have to be, but it's liberating. And I think this is this is when you just start wearing those like big dog t-shirts. Is just when you realize <laughs> that like, why who who are you looking to impress? You know, <laughs> nobody nobody's going to give you the time of day, even less now than usual, given smartphones and whatnot. I don't know how people avoided eye contact before, but. They've made it a lot easier. <laughs> um, yeah, gotta get a big dog T-shirt. Put that on the to-do list. <laughs> Listen, Carson, I gotta go. I gotta, I yeah. gotta get to uh, to a dinner. Yeah, you should. Yeah. All right. Hey, uh, Jeffrey, a real pleasure. This will go yeah. Tuesday after Memorial Day. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm sorry about the internet dying there in the middle. Hopefully, that's not too hard to figure out. Yeah, it'll be uh, okay. editing. Cool. It'll be okay. All right, okay. Jeffrey. Uh, like, for, well, first, let me say, let's say goodbye for the purposes of the program. So, thank you, Jeff Sullivan. Thank you, Carson. This is Stuley. That has been Fangraphs editor Jeff Sullivan. I'm Carson Stuley. This has been Fangraphs audio. <laughs>